What's going on, church? Good morning. Hey. Man, it is good to be back. It's been two weeks. Uh, I hope you kind of missed me a little bit. Uh, but can we give Noah and Kyle a round of applause? They did awesome <laughs> filling in. Yeah, yeah. And if this is your first time here, my name is Nathan, and uh, I've been gone for two weeks, so I, I don't know how long I'm going to go today. I see the timer clicking down, but that's all right. We'll just keep going. But hey, if it's your first time here, welcome. We love to have guests. We are so glad that you are checking us out. Here's what we ask from you. All we want you to do is fill out that connection card in the seat in front of you, bring it through these double doors, and underneath the red banner, there will be somebody there who would love to talk to you. We have a free gift for you, and we would just get to love to get to know your story a little bit. If, if you're here, you're like, hey, I want to get connected in, in some other areas, but I'm not new fill out that connection card as well if you want to know more about life groups that's that stuff is going on soon life groups are happening soon some are happening now if you want next steps about anything fill out that that connection card that is our go-to for all information and so please take time to do that there should be one in, in front of this the seat in front of you if not go to the uh, underneath red banner as well and we'll ha hook you up with a connection card I also want to tell you about what's going on at Revolution we always want to have something going on and, and so there's a lot going on in the next coming month, uh, weeks. So if you would, just take a picture of this so you don't forget. Next Saturday, starting at 8 a.m., uh, at the church here, there's men's breakfast. That's for guys of all ages. We encourage dads to bring their sons or, or grandpas to bring your grandsons, bring a friend. It's just a time to hang out, eat breakfast. We're going to have some pancakes and sausage, I believe. But it's time to get together. We'll have a little devotional time. But it's an awesome time. Uh, August 22nd is Nerf Night. Anybody been to Nerf Night yet? It's crazy. I came here last week, um, last time, for about 30 minutes and said, I'm getting out of here before I get shot in the eye. But there's a bunch of kids, about 40 kids, I think, we're here, so that's happening on Tuesday. Uh, we have a serving opportunity on, on August 26th. We need volunteers. So if you want to sign up for that, uh, the connection card as well, Healthy Kids Day. It's an event that's put on by, the, uh, by an organization from town. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be showing people they matter by handing out, I think, frozen yogurt now. And we just need volunteers who are willing to show up and say, hey, you matter to me. And, and we're going to have a booth and Noah's going to kind of be there. But we, we need people, so please sign up for that uh, new connection card and we'll reach out to you. And then summer's officially over in September because football starts. Anybody excited for that? All right. But not August, uh, September 10th is going to be student night, and it's going to be awesome, and we're going to be excited, so put that on your calendars as well. But uh, I also want to take a moment here to kind of talk about a little bit about what's going on today, speaking of students. Uh, Stephanie's doing, I know she's not in this room, but Stephanie is doing an awesome job with, with our kids' ministry. Can we give her a round of applause? I mean... In the last year or so, since she's been on less than a year, but she's been doing awesome things. Her team has been doing awesome things. And last week, we had over 80 kids here, and that's amazing. Like, that's an awesome number. And, and so she's doing great things. Yeah, you can clap for that if you want. You can clap as much as you want. But after service, we're going to celebrate that a little bit. So the pizza's for everybody, even if you don't have a kid. Hang out, man. The community is awesome. Hang out. Talk to somebody you don't know. Um, but do that. And also, I, I want to draw attention to something in the lobby. There's all these baskets and teachers. We've been doing this, this kind of supply drive for you. If you're a teacher or an educator, go out there, take one of the baskets. Uh, there'll be a volunteer out there to help you with it. Take a basket and, and bring it to your classroom. I hope it blesses you in, in some way, in some capacity. It's a little way to say thank you. And, and church, we've been awesome during this. And it's because of your generosity we're able to do things like that. And generosity is something we do talk about a lot. And we're not ashamed to talk about generosity because we believe as followers of Jesus, we should be generous. That when people think of us as individuals, as a church, that generosity is a, 
a word that they should think about. It's, it's, a, it's a way of living. It's a spiritual discipline of living with our, our hands open wide. Say, God, here's my time. Here's my resources. Here, here, here's my finances. God, let me use these things to honor you that you have given me. And so there's the ways to give on the screen, but one of the easiest ways to give is here in, in the building. There's these black drop-off boxes. You can drop off any box on your way out, or there's one right out these double doors as well. And generosity, again, is just a, a way of living. It's a spiritual discipline. We say, hey, we want to live like Jesus, and this is one way to do that. So thank you all for your generosity and the teacher drive, and thank you for your continued generosity. But right now, before I get preaching, I want any teacher or anybody who works in a school system in any capacity, just stand up for me real quick, if you would, and stay standing. If you just stand up, can we give them a round of applause? What I want to do for you guys real quick, oh, yeah, stay standing, stay standing. Don't be sitting down over there, Alan. Come on now. I want to pray for you guys. And, and so will you just join me in praying for, the, for the, these individuals here? God, we're so thankful for the people standing up in this room, for, for the teachers or educators or just working in the school system in some way, God. That is an awesome calling God and they're with so many people they're on the front lines every day of reaching students and reaching their peers and co-workers God and so we're thankful for them we pray that the school year they're, they're safe and, and that they're able to be used as a light in a way that you want to use them God we believe they're in the classrooms and the school they're in for a, a reason and a purpose and God that is to be your hands and feet so thank you so much for them so we pray for a safe and blessed school years we pray for their students we pray for all the students involved at Revolution God and we're thankful that we get to play a little part in leading next generation it's your name we pray amen can we give them a round of applause one more time all right all right so here it is. We're, we're, we're ending this series of Lace Them Up. I hope everybody's enjoyed it as much as I have. It's a fun series, a fun idea. And so, you know, last week I was on vacation and I've been thinking about this message for a long time. And really what, just last week, God, God was just working to me and I was thinking things. And so while we were gone, we actually celebrated our one year here at Revolution. And one year, it feels like I've been here about one week. And a lot of things have happened. We've been here one year and I've been thinking like, man, what, what word would I use to describe my life? And there's a country song called Rich Man. And that's, what, that's how I view myself. I'm not rich financially. I'm rich though because I have an awesome church here that I get to come back to. Got an awesome family, got an awesome wife, got an awesome daughter. And I just want to thank you guys. And it's been a ride and the ride's not over yet. It's just beginning. Right? We're just now turning, right? And so what we're going to do today is wrap a bow in this series. But it's some things that God's put on my heart, some things that I think we need to talk about. But we've been in this series called Lace Them Up, and it's all about the idea of shoes, right? And so we have these shoes, and we kind of use them as imagery, because we're going somewhere. Your life is heading in a direction. You're moving. And we said, we, we don't want to just go through life and go through the motions, but we want to live intentionally. We believe that God has where, got us where we are for a purpose, for a reason. He has us going where we're going for a reason, and we want to be intentional about where we're going. And so we, we realize that with that means that we got to lace them up. And when we talk about lace them up, it's this idea of go and do the work. But we didn't want to say, well, we don't want to just do the work we think we need to do. Well, well, what work is it? And we went to some of Jesus' final words in the Gospel of Matthew before he leaves his disciples. And it says this. It says, therefore what? Therefore, go. Everybody say go. Go and make disciples of all nations. That all parts going to be really important today. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely, as you're doing this, I'm always with you to the very end of age. Jesus tells his disciples 2,000 years ago, listen, guys, 
I'm leaving and I want you to go out. I want you to go to the people in, in your lives and your, where your feet take you. I want you to extend the same invitation I extended you to follow me. I want you to go and I want you to tell them who I am and what I've done. I, I want you to teach them. I want you to teach them things like this, that, that real leaders have humility we're servant leaders. I want you to teach them that anybody they ever come eyeball to eyeball with, that's who their neighbor is. And if they're a person, if that's their neighbor, that's someone to be loved. I want you to tell, teach them about the things I've taught you about forgiveness when all of you betrayed me. It's like, that's what I want you to do. I want you to go out into this world. And he goes, I want you to embrace the responsibility of living your life and engaging with others. Not to live as an island, but to engage with other people in such a way that leads to the multiplication of Jesus' followers. I want you to go make disciples of mine. So it's essentially saying, he's saying, if I came back in five years, in 10 years, I want you to live in such a way that when I can return, there's more of you than there are now. I want you to multiply. And so the same thing he says to revolution, he says, listen, we have to, to embrace the responsibility of living our life and engaging with others in such a way that leads to the multiplication of Jesus' followers, that we need to live in such a way to create other followers of Jesus. We need to help reach people, make Jesus known, and teach them how to live like Jesus. So that's what we're going to look at today. We're going we're to look at our final shoe, and this is the shoe of the day. What type of shoe is this? Running, running shoe, right? Everybody say running. 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 Now, first service couldn't figure it out, so that means there's probably not very many runners in first service, right? But what are running shoes made for? Running, man, you guys are smart today, man. You guys are smart. Running shoes are made for running. And I love the imagery of running shoes for the final week because of this. Anybody, anybody a runner in here? Raise your hand. Okay, some of you, all right. How many of you are like, hey, just looking at this shoe makes me tired. The only thing I run to is the refrigerator, right? Yeah, right? All right. But running, I used to be a big runner. Uh, I ran all, in high school, I was a distance runner. And, and out of college, I, was, I ran all the time. I had a couple knee surgeries. Now I don't run as much. And when I do, it's very slow. But I, I enjoy it. But the, the thing about running that I really like is really, not like Olympic level running, but like the average ordinary person running, is you don't have to be real skilled to run, do you? Right? You don't have to be real fast. Anybody can technically run. Now, you may be at the age like, well, I can't run, but you can kind of shuffle those feet. Kind of looks like a run, right? So it might be slow, but anybody can do it. You don't have to be real coordinated, right? You, don't, you might have to be able to dodge a couple running do you know, dogs running at you or something, but you don't have to move side to side too much. You, know? you just keep going straight. Um, you don't have to be able to throw a ball, catch a ball, shoot a ball, do anything involved with coordination at all. You know what you have to do to be, to, to be a runner? You just have to be willing to do it. Right? Now, that's hard, isn't it? Like, hey, I know I just have to be willing to do it, but I don't want to do it because not very many of us raised our hands, right? We, we don't want to run, but you just got to be willing to do it. You don't have to be real skilled at it. You just got to say, hey, I'm going to wake up and run. So the best runners, or when I, when I had to run for track and I hated it, that means I'd have to wake up. Even when it was cold, I have to run. Even when I don't feel like it. I have to run. Even when I don't feel good, I have to run. That's kind of the same with what Jesus told us to do. You don't have to have all the skills. You don't have to have all the knowledge. You don't have to know everything. You just got to be willing to go. 
Then I started thinking, you know, the last couple of weeks, like, okay, what separates the really good runners besides speed? Or what, what separates people who say, I'm a runner, right? They, they wear that badge of honor. Because when you meet a runner, you know you've met a runner, right? That's kind of one of those things, right? You know it. And so what makes them successful? What makes them different? They're willing to do it. But most runners, they just have this unique ability. They're like Dory from Finding Nemo. They just keep going, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. They just keep going. Even when they're tired, even when they're hurting, even when they don't want to do it, they just keep going. Isn't that like going and making disciples? We got to do it even when we're tired, even when we don't like people. How many of you have people in your life you don't like? Raise your hand. Awesome, right? Awesome, right? Like, hey, you just got to keep going. Right? Even when you don't want to, you just keep going. You just keep going. And then this is how my mind works because I, I get on a lot of like, if I was an internet browser, I'd have like 50, 60 different things up at once. Then I started thinking, well, you got to be willing. You got to keep going. And sometimes you need a little extra motivation when you're running. So, you know, you got your songs, right? Anybody run, when they run or work out, use music, right? And if, you, if, if I see you running in town and you're like running distances and you, you don't wear your headphones, I'm like, dude, I'm staying away from that person. Like, they are crazy. How do you run without any headphones in, right? But you have this headphone. So you got your song. You have these songs on your run that motivates you. And for me, when, when I'm working out and running, it could be Taylor Swift one day, right? Like, everybody loves some T-Swift, right? Come on, any T-Swift fans out there? It could be a Moana soundtrack because that's all my daughter listens to these days. It could be rap. It could be country. But you put, you put the song on it, it keeps you going. But there's one song. There's one song. I, I think some of you are going to know it. And if you know it, you're going to get some street cred from me today. But there's one song that I go back to quite a bit. And the lyrics go a little bit like this. Look, if you have one shot... One opportunity. Come, come on with me. Anybody know this song? This is everything you ever wanted? In one moment, would you capture it? Would you just let it slip? Anybody know this song? Raise your hand. Come on now. His palms are sweaty. We, knees, weak arms are heavy. There's vomit on a sweater already. And that's where I'm going to stop because my wife's looking at me, right? You know that song though. You know that. It's like, hey, it keeps me going. Keeps me going. And here's what we're going to do today. In my crazy mind, I'm going to connect this to what Jesus has called us to do. Because I got to thinking about this song. Because like, well, what is my song? This is my song. Let me, let me connect it to our lives. So this is where you look at the person next to you and say, hey, you got to pay attention. Go ahead, do that. Say, hey, pay attention. You got to hear this. Okay. And it's not rocket science, but we're going to do this. In life, you got one shot. You know that. You got one opportunity. You got one chance to live, one opportunity. And that, the question is, what we said we want to live intentionally, but are, are, are you going to capture it? Or are you just going to let it slip by? Are you just going to let the moment slip by? And I got to think, well, what does that mean for us? Well, here's what we believe at Revolution. And, and you may not even know we believe this. But here's what we believe. We believe three, three things. That none of us beat death. Death. None of us beat it. Only one person ever did that was Jesus. None of us go out 100%. No matter how much you run, right? That, that, to all you non-runners out there, right? All you non-runners out there, we all end up in the same place, right? We all end up at the, the same outcome. We also believe if everybody dies, everyone spends eternity somewhere. And Jesus wants everyone to spend it, spend it with him. So that's what we believe. We believe that no one beats death. Everyone spends eternity somewhere. And the good news is that Jesus wants us to spend that eternity with him. 
And then what God's really been convicting me of lately, sometimes God just does it. It's like God just puts something on your heart and when he puts it on your heart, there's a reason. Like, well, what breaks your heart? And often that's what God wants to speak to you about. And God's been putting this on my heart and it started a couple years ago when I saw this video. And this guy was talking about the end of his life and it would go a little bit like this. That one day, here's what we believe. That one day, and we can argue all day what it's gonna look like. I'm not making that argument today. But one day, the hope is that Jesus is gonna return. In my lifetime, in your lifetime, in a thousand years from now, one day Jesus is going to return. Now we can argue all day what that looks like, but he's going to return. So I have this imagery in my mind that he returns, right? That as I'm walking towards him in my mind in this vision, that, that I cross paths with someone I knew who didn't believe what I believed about Jesus. But he has the same fate. He's going to spend eternity somewhere, either with God or away from God, in the presence of God or far from God, right? And I cross eyes with him, and I'm pursuing Jesus. And in that moment, in that moment, this person realizes the weight of their life, the weight of their decisions, and the weight that they just missed it, and they're going to spend eternity in a place they don't want to spend eternity. And I imagine I lock eyes with them for a second. Here's what the video showed. You lock eyes for them, and they say, hey, we went to high school together. We played on the same sports teams since we were in second grade, dude. You coached me. You spent time with me. You worked out with me at the same time in the same gym for years. Dude, I was, I'm one of your family members. And then they say, you didn't have the guts. You didn't have the guts to tell me that this was going to happen. And then I think, well, what would I say to him? I say, well, man, hey, listen, I just didn't like you. No, I just kidding. I didn't say it. No. Man, I, I didn't want to seem too pushy. I didn't, I didn't have the time. Man, I, I was just trying to work out, dude. I was just trying to coach. It never seemed appropriate. I, I didn't think you would be open to me telling you. And to think, man, that just wouldn't cut it, would it? And I know it, it's, it's serious, right? None of us beat death. Everybody spends eternity somewhere. And Jesus wants everyone to spend it with him. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at Jesus' final words in Matthew. We're going to take Jesus' final words and we're going to make them our first work. Meaning we're going to make them our, our mission, a calling on our heart. We're going to be convicted and say, I, I got to do this. Because there's a man named Paul. And Paul was someone who used to kill Christians. You kind of know the story. But then he became a, a follower of Jesus and he starts preaching and teaching and he's placing up his shoes and he's doing the work and he writes these letters and they got a lot of funny names but one of the letters that he wrote that doesn't have a funny name is called Romans and in Romans chapter 10 he's writing to a group of Christians who are relatively just ordinary followers of Jesus and he says this he says for there's no difference between Jew and Gentile the same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I love this, and I've underlined this for a reason. It says, there's no difference. Paul says, there's no difference amongst people. That, that the good news of Jesus, that, that what Jesus has done, it says, for God so loved the world. The world means world. It means everybody. That there's no difference. That this good news is for all people, of all colors, of all languages, of all backgrounds, of all bank accounts, no matter who you are. If you're breathing, the good news is for you. And that's the beauty of the church. That's the beauty of the gospel. It's for everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't even matter if you don't like that person. It's for them. And then he makes this awesome promise. It says, for, for what? For everyone. Everybody say everyone. 
for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He's like, there's this amazing thing that happens. That what Jesus has done, his work was for everybody. And anybody who says, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. I'm putting you on the throne. I want to follow you. I'm leaving my ways and, and I'm turning to you. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to go where you want me to go. I want to do and live the way you've called me to live. Anybody who calls in the name of Jesus makes him Lord of life. The promise is this. You will be saved. But he says, there's a little tension. There's a little problem. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they, how can they call on someone you don't believe in, right? And he says, well, and how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? How can they believe in something they haven't heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? It's this idea. How can you learn something without someone teaching you or telling you? And, and Paul's like, listen, there's people out there they, they need to hear but how they need to believe but how can they believe because they haven't heard no, no one's ever told them and how can someone how can they hear it if no one's ever gone to them so he says they, they need to hear and they need to know but they can't if you don't go right it made it easier right Dr. Seuss up here they need to hear and they need to know but they can't if you don't go. He says that to them, and he says the same thing to us. And he's like, they need people who are going to preach to them. And all of a sudden, you hear that word, like, whew, good thing I'm not a preacher, right? Like, hey, that's what Nathan does up here on the stage. I would never want to do that. And that's part of my job, but let's just contextual here. Who's he writing to? He's not writing to preachers, he's writing to followers of Jesus. Uh oh, that means you, right? Not just me, right? Now we're all in the same boat, right? And then all of a sudden, you start to realize something. Jesus was talking to me back in Matthew 28. Paul's talking to us now. And you're like, everything I do, it preaches. And you're like, yep, it does. So everything you post on social media, I'm going to say that again. Everything you post on social media, it preaches. Every time you go to one of those sporting events that your kids go to, it preaches. And it isn't always pretty, is it, right? It preaches. How you treat your spouse, it preaches. Your attitude at work, it preaches. How you treat your kids, how you parent, it preaches something. And all of a sudden, we're all preachers. All of a sudden, we realize that when I, t when I talk, my words and my life, I'm preaching something. And Paul said, hey, listen. How are they supposed to hear if no one's preached to them? How, how can they even call on Jesus? How can they be saved if no one goes? And like if, if everybody dies, everybody spends eternity somewhere and Jesus wants them to spend it with them, how can they know that and no one goes? But then he continues. He says, well, how can anyone preach unless they're sent? And it's like, hey, remember, Jesus sends you, has sent everybody. Like, so we're all sent. He's like, so we all know that we're sent, right? We all have this understanding. We are sent. We are sent, we are sent to go. And then he quotes a, a, a prophet Isaiah. He says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. And here's, let's make this connection to 2023. He says, there are people in your life who you love. People in your life who you work with. Mike Barron, people in your life you play pickleball with, right? Any pickleball players out there, right? There are people in your life that you come in contact with every single day who don't know who Jesus is. And some of them don't know because they don't want to. But some of them don't know because they don't know what they don't know. And how can you know what you don't know if someone's told you what you don't know, right? And he's like, listen, listen, listen. 
And everything you do when you're in front of them, and everything you say when you're around them, it preaches something. And with the way you live and the way you speak, you have an opportunity to teach them about who Jesus is and how Jesus wants to spend eternity with them. And he's like, if you're willing, because it's all about willing, right? You don't have to have the skill set. You don't have to be the best. All you have to be is willing. He's like, and if you're willing, revolution, I'll look at you and say, how beautiful are the feet on that human who was willing to bring good, the good news to those people who didn't know the good news. And it echoes Matthew 28, where it says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. So right about here, we're gonna pause we're going to make this shift from necessarily going. And we're going to look at this word all. Everybody say all. All. And this is something, if you, if you want to like, hey, what is Nathan about? This word is something that I, I want to build my life on. This idea right here is why I got into ministry. Years ago, when I, when I was coming from a non-Christian home, started going to church, I started to see something I didn't like. I started to see a lot of places, a lot of Christians weren't about all people. Right? Anybody ever seen that? Now, you can say you're about all people, but you're not about all people. And so I started to see this connection, and then I went to Bible college, and it's all the same thing. And I'm not always perfect. We all have flaws. We all make mistakes. We all have biases. We all have tendencies to, to surround ourselves around people who look like us. So we have to proactively not do this. But I saw a trend, and I think I still see this trend if we're just being transparent and open. At times, not all of us, but sometimes we tend to only go to who we want to go to, right? Like, yeah, I'm going to go to people, but I'm going to go to who I want to go to. And who do we want to go to? The same people that look like us, act like us, vote like us, talk like us, cheer for the same sports team as us. I don't know, right? I've been trying to get people to believe what I believe about sports for a long time. It doesn't happen, right? A lot of wrong people out there, right? But we tend to only go to who we want to go to. Then you take the words of Jesus, it says, go to all nations. Take the word of Paul, it says, everyone. You go back to what Jesus said to the disciples in the book of Acts, it says, go to the ends of the earth. And all of a sudden, we realize, yes, Christians go, but sometimes, sometimes, if we're just being 100% honest, we only go to the end of our comfort zone. Because like, well, if I'm going to these people, I'm gonna invite them back, and I don't want them to rock the boat, right? I don't want them, I don't want to feel uncomfortable around them. So we tend to only go to who we want to go to at times. Again, we may not even realize it. So what I'm saying, like, we just got to be aware of this. Because I think revolution, one thing that brought me here, one thing I feel God's doing here, is revolution isn't that type of church. Sometimes we are, but man, for the most part, we are so diverse in so many different things. And that's what I love. So we got to remember, like, this is what we got to continue to do. Because this, this right here has been happening since the very beginning of the message of Jesus being spread. If you go to the book of Acts, it's, it's the book right after the Gospels, right? The Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then you get to this book called Acts. In the book of Acts, it's really the history of the early church. And I would encourage you to go home and check it out if you never read it because you see what Christianity was all about in the beginning days and how Jesus' church spread even under persecution. But in Acts chapter 11, there becomes this kind of pivotal moment. And we're gonna get to it in a second. There's this moment where there's the religious people, they refer to themselves as the Jews, and they've kind of, what they've done is they've built these fences around themselves, and they've kind of kept everybody else out. And then there's these Gentiles, and the easiest way to remember the Gentiles is just non-religious people or non-traditionally religious people. So they don't look like them, and they're like, hey, we're not going to them. The only problem is, 
Jesus has said, go to all nations of all people of all types. And they're excluding the very type of people that Jesus often ate with and associated with. And so we get to this point in Acts chapter 11 where things are going to change after this. And this is really when things start going crazy in a good way in Acts chapter 11. But there's a man named Peter. He's a disciple of Jesus. And here's what happens. Since the apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that, that the Gentiles, so those non-traditionally religious people, had also received the word of God. So they've now received the good news, right? And here's what happens. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers, the religious people, and I'll get to that in a second, criticized him and said, hey, you went into the house of the uncircumcised men and ate with them. And it's like, what in the world's going on here? Like, no one checks this anymore. But back then in the day, it was, it was a big deal. We've kind of talked about circumcision before. But circumcision, I'll give you a little history lesson. It's been around for a long time. Go all the way back to Genesis, right? I'm not going to tell you everything that happened. But circumcision was this way that you would cut away a piece of flesh and it would be setting yourself apart. It's kind of symbolic, right? Cutting away something dead, starting something new, right? Not too much imagery here, right? But you would do it. And God's Israel, the Israelites would do this. It would, it would say they were set apart. So back then, even if you were a grown man, you wanted to be part of the Israelites. So like, hey, listen, we don't have any, you know, anesthesia. You're not going to be knocked out, but you're going to have, you got to be circumcised. And most people are like, yeah, no, thank you, right? Okay. But if you were born into this tribe, on your eighth day of your life, you would be circumcised. It would set you apart. And then it would be referred to, basically, I'm simplifying it, but put the unclean people and clean people. So the unclean people would have been those who have not been circumcised. The Jews would have said, you can't hang out with them. You can't hang out with people who don't look like us. They built these fences around it. And for most of, of Peter's life, he probably thought the very same thing. But then he has this encounter. He has this encounter with God, and God speaks to him, and he has this encounter with some other people, and all of a sudden he changes his mind, and we go a couple verses from this moment where the Jews are saying, you can't hang out with those uncircumcised heathens, right? They're saying, That's not, this is not for everybody. It's only for the people that look like us. Let's build a fence and keep everybody else out. Here's what happens. Peter then said, well, I've kind of changed my mind. But I, I remember what Jesus, or the Lord, had said. He said this, John had baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us, so God gave the Gentiles the same gift of the Holy Spirit he gave us, or the same opportunity to be saved that he gave us, who, if, if they believe in Jesus. And then he says this, then I thought, who was I that I could stand in the way of what God wanted to do? Who was I to build fences that kept people out? And then it says, then they heard this, the religious people, and they had no further objections. And praise God, saying then, even the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. This is for everybody. They, they realized it. P Peter's like, hey, listen, I realized something. God spoke to me, put these words in my, my mind. Why not them? Everybody say that. Why not them? Why not them? Why not the people you don't like? Why not the people who don't vote like you? Why not the people who may have some things in their mind that aren't necessarily right, but why not go to them? Why not to the people you don't like? Why not to the people who don't look like you, act like you? Why not to the people who have been in trouble? Why not to the people who keep getting in messes? Why not them? Why not them? Why not go to anybody that's breathing? Why not go to anybody that you're coming eyeball to eyeball with? Why not them? And it changed the direction of Christianity forever. And it, the book of Acts, chapter 11, it all starts there. And then I got to thinking, well, what does that mean for us in 2023? And I started thinking about this, that we need to be a community that tears down fences and builds longer tables. 
Fences keep people out. Now, some of you are like, well, I, I only have a fence to keep my dog in. No, like, you know, you got your neighbors and you're like, I don't want them to see in my yard. Anybody got nosy neighbors? Don't raise your hand, right? You're like, I, I don't want them seeing what I'm doing in my backyard. I wanna, I wanna swim and have my beach bod that might not be that great without anybody looking at me. So I, I'm gonna keep a, build a fence. But the problem is fences are great around yards. They're really bad in relationships. Really bad when churches start making them. And fences keep people out. And often it's the people we're called to go to. So fence living is keeping people out. Tables, it's this whole idea of inviting people in. If I'm inviting you in my house, one, it means like, hey, I want to know you. I, I, I want to get to know a little bit about your story, about your life. I want to I I live life with you. I want to get to have a relationship with you. Tables invite people in. Fences keep people out. So we want to be a church that says, listen, we're going to invite everybody in. We're going to stick to the truth, and here's what we believe. Here's what we believe. Jesus is the only way. He's the way to God. There's only one way. We believe all these truths, but it's for everybody because we believe everybody dies. Everybody spends eternity somewhere, but Jesus wants all of us to spend it with him. And so we're going to be a church that builds longer tables. So let's go back to this imagery of shoes. This is running shoe, right? And what are running shoes used for? Running. And so my wife makes fun of me for this all the time. She makes fun of me a lot, but here's what she makes fun of me for. When I buy running shoes, I have them for one purpose, for running. That means these hokas I have in my hand, you're not going to see me wearing these to church. You're not going to see me wearing them to the office because I bought them to run. Right? Now, you, now you, can, you can buy running shoes that aren't used for running to walk around in to feel comfortable. But if you're going to buy running shoes, you better only use them to run in my mind. That's how I operate, right? Same with working out. I got shoes I wear to the gym. Like, I'm doing that. Here's why. Let me, let me explain to you a crazy thing in my head. That when I have these shoes only for running, that when I sit down in my garage, I'm like, my goodness, I do not want to run today, right? And I look at these shoes, and I untie them, and I start lacing them back up and putting them on my feet. It's a shift in my head. Say, I'm about to run. I'm about to run, and I'm going to shut out the world, and I'm going to run as hard and slow. I'm going to run as hard as I can, even if my wife tells me I'm much slower than I am in college, right? I'm going to lace them up, and I'm going to run. Or when I get to the gym, and I change my shoes, and I don't want to be there, and I put on those shoes, and I put on those headphones, I'm intentionally focused on what I'm about to do. It's all about intention. It's all about mindset. Because I believe if you just want to wear these shoes, here's what's going to happen. I, I told my wife this, right? If you just start wearing these shoes out all the time, all of a sudden they, they're not going to be your running shoes. They're going to be your comfortable shoes, and you're not going to run. That's what I believe. So I, I have only running shoes. Now, you can see they're not very dirty. What does that tell you? I'm not running very much right now, right? But they're for that. And so why I tell you this is this, what we're talking about in this series, is building, tearing down fences, building longer tables, and going to all people it doesn't naturally just happen. It doesn't. You're naturally, we don't naturally just do this, right? It, it, it doesn't just happen. It's like, I don't just walk into Walmart and people are like, oh my gosh, preacher alarm. Everybody swarms me and I start telling about Jesus. That doesn't happen. Never has happened, right? I gotta be intentional still about reaching people. I gotta be intentional about, hey, I'm living life. I'm going somewhere. My feet are taking me somewhere and I, I gotta realize that everybody dies, Everybody spends eternity somewhere. They want, uh, Jesus wants to spend it with them, and I know that. So I'm a carrier of this good news. So I gotta realize, like, listen, when I walk out, when I go to my workplaces, I gotta intentionally live in such a way that makes Jesus known to other people. I call it doing normal life with gospel intentionality. Realizing, like, there is some urgency, 
right? And so when I'm running, there's some urgency. Like I want to try to run as fast as I possibly can. I may not be running that fast, but I'm trying. So these remind me, man, I got to be intentional about doing this. I got to run with some urgency. And then uh, you start thinking, oh, man, that's a, that's a big call that we got to reach people. I, I, there's some urgency to it. And I, growing up, I've always heard people say, hey, you got to go. You got to go. And they, just sa- they said, well, you just got to go and said, amen, go out into your world. They never really told me how or where to start. Right? And so if you start with everybody, you're like, that's such, a big, that's such a big number. I'm not going to anybody, right? And here's the reality. I, I want to say this today. You can't reach everyone. You alone cannot reach everyone. But you can reach someone. All of us, none of us alone can reach everyone, but all of us can reach someone in our life. And if we're all reaching someone, man, we're reaching a lot of people. It may not be everyone, but it's as many as we possibly can. And you're like, well, how, how do I know who I'm supposed to reach? Well, I, I, I tell people to do this. I want you, if you have your phone out, you can go ahead and do this. I want you to think of your sphere of influence. What is that? The people that you're in contact with often in your life. So people that you see weekly, family members that you see weekly, friends that you work out with, friends that you play pickleball with, friends that you run with, your fr- people in your, your life group, your family, your hallways, your cafeteria. Everywhere you go, you know, if you go to Black Dog every Monday, every Tuesday to get a coffee, isn't Black Dog coffee really good anyways, right? I love Black Dog coffee, but, but if you do that, all those people are in your influence. You're like, man, that's a big list. And then you start to say, well, well, this person goes to church, this person doesn't go to church. And sometimes, if you say, hey, well, everybody in my circle goes to church, well, I'm saying, get a bigger circle, right? Like, let's keep, let's keep growing here. But you start to see, well, there's people in this who, who don't know Jesus, and I need them to know Jesus. So then I tell people, well, then do this. Number one through five, or one through three, or one through two. You start listing people. I need to go to this, I need this person, this person, this person. I, I say five because five is doable. And for one year, so August 13 next year, for one year, you say, God, I'm going to pray over this list every single day. I'm going to pray over these five people every single day. I know they don't know you. I know they don't know the, 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 the reality that we're living in, that everybody dies, everybody spends eternity somewhere. And Jesus wants to spend it with them. So five people I'm praying over for one year. Say, God, give me the wisdom. Give me the courage. Give me the ability to reach these people with the way I live, with the way I act, with the way I talk. God, I'm living with urgency and intentionality, and I'm trying to reach these people. And every day for a year, pray over it. Here's my promise to you. If you do that for every day for a year, watch what God does in your life. Watch how you start to love people differently. Watch how your circles start to grow. My promise is as individuals, if we did this, all of us did this, those chairs next to you, next year wouldn't be so empty. But more importantly, they won't miss eternity with Jesus, and they won't miss eternity with you. That's why we do this. It's not to grow churches. It's so people don't miss eternity with Jesus. And you're like, well, Nathan, I, I don't have the words. I don't have the skills. I don't have the abilities. Here's my promise, that God will give you what you need to go where he's called you to go. If God has told you to go to somebody, he will give you what you need. But here's a great place to start. Tell them your God story. Tell them simply. You don't have to tell them the Bible verses. You don't have to tell them the scriptures. You don't have to tell them, hey, man, this is how you say Greek and Hebrew. No, start with what God has done in your life. And all of you, even if it's boring, right? That's an amazing story. God's been faithful to you and your family your entire life. That's an awesome testament, Sh- testimony. Share it. But tell them your God story. Man, I used to be over here, and God came in my life, and, and I was over here, and I came back over here. But man, look at where I'm going now. God has done this. God took my marriage from this to this. God accepted my life and done this. Tell them how God has worked in your life. Because if you don't tell them how God has worked in your life, 
Trust me, the world will tell them how God isn't working in their life or can work in their life. Tell them how God worked in your life. And when that happens, there's something that often follows that. When you got those five people, you tell them your God story, you're praying over them. There's something that's called the ripple effect principle. The ripple effect principle basically is a simple idea is that when you throw a rock into a water, the single action, the single moment cause ripples for a long, long time. When one person can step into someone's story, when one person steps into your life and my life or you step into someone else's life, the ripple effect can go longer than you can ever imagine. I'll share mine. There's a young man named Tyson Graber who grew up in Washington, Indiana. He went to, he decided to graduate high school. When he graduated high school, he decided to go to Lincoln Christian College. There he was going to study youth ministry. He studied youth ministry and he graduates. Two years later, he moves to this small Illinois town called Hersher, Illinois. His first year there, he's a youth minister and he coaches sixth grade basketball. On that sixth grade basketball team, there was this scrawny kid with glasses who wasn't quite very good at basketball yet, dying for a father figure, dying for a mentor. His name was Nathan. Tyson invited me to his church, invited me into his family, built a relationship with me, a mentorship. He's like a father figure. I talked to him multiple times a week. But he stepped in my life and he told me about Jesus loving me, me, from this broken, hurting family. Me? Yes, you. And he baptized me. And then I started going home and I started talking to my family. And I, started, I got to watch all my family members be baptized when I was in high school. I graduated high school and I go to the only Bible college that I thought existed in the world, Lincoln Christian University. I, I go there and I, and I study ministry and it led me to this moment. But before I got to graduate college, I got to watch my brother who, we have a weird dynamic, but a father-son type of relationship. I got to watch him graduate high school. You know where he went to college? Lincoln Christian University, and he studied ministry. He graduated. He's now a minister in Missouri, and he'll be on the stage preaching in a month or two. One person decided to jump in my story, and the ripples will be felt forever. Now I don't have to worry about Natalie and my nephews worrying about, hey, does God love me? Are we going to make it out of this generational curse? Because somebody loved me enough to tell me that God loved me, and the ripples lasted forever. You never know what God can do with your willingness just to be willing. Be willing to be the vessel who goes. So lay some up isn't just a cute series or a cute phrase. It's a heartbeat of who we have to be because it's a matter of life and death because there's people out there who need to know Jesus and stories that need to be changed through Jesus. And the good thing is we don't run alone. We run with each other. And when we say we're lacing them up, we're making a promise to each other, to God, and to our communities. And here's the promises. No matter where we're at, no matter where you're at, we're coming for you. And we're not coming alone because Jesus promised to go with us everywhere we go. But we're coming. And we're not going to be a church that sits still. We're going to be a church on the move, building long tables and tearing down the fences as we go. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful that you use us, these broken vessels. Sometimes we look in the mirror like, man, God, how could you use me? How could you use my story? And I think you just chuckle. He's like, that's exactly where I want you. And you're exactly who I want to use for this moment. God, so help us remind us to live intentionally, to live with a purpose and meaning where you put us. God, because there's an urgency to this life. We share the greatest news of all time, that Jesus loves us. He wants to spend eternity with us, God. So we're going to continue to praise you today. God, so thank you so much for loving us. To your name we pray. Amen.